Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. And we're back. The sirenic tones of Los Yetis are calling us to gather under the word of God. Ben's here. I'm here. We've missed you. I don't know if you've missed us quite so much, but we're looking at James today. Chapter 1. And there's some screaming about the inability to scream, insofar as I understand the Spanish goes. Fades away. Ben will read for us. I just want to say, I I will correct myself. I have missed Los Yetis a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Well, I asked you earlier, didn't I? I said, yes. have you missed them? And I said, no. I, I said, no, I haven't missed it. I've missed the podcast. I've missed... Uh, vigorous and entertaining and joyful Bible study, but I hadn't missed Los Yetis. But I think I just came to the realization that I have a little bit, uh, and so I repent. That's great, because I was hurt on behalf of Los Yetis. (laughs) Well, hopefully they can all forgive us and uh, we can move on. The letter of James. We're reading uh, to verse 18, is that right? I think. Chapter 1, 1 through 18. Yeah. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks, Ben. This uh, is a complicated passage, and uh, I won't cover the whole of it in the sermon. I don't think we'll cover the whole of it today. No. 
James itself is, is a difficult book in some respects. Luther described it as a right strawry epistle, which is hard to say. Strawry? Yeah, it's hard to say with an English accent, but... I'm sure it sounded better in the German. Of straw. Yes. Yeah. Straw, I don't know. <laughs> I assume. Stevie shouted it. That makes it yes. German. So uh, Nail it to a door. I think that, yeah, that's right. Nail it and shout it, and then it's German. I don't think that uh, he liked it very much because James talks about works and, and the things we do and behaviour and uh, goes on to say that really, if you claim to have a faith and you're not really doing anything, then you don't have a faith. And I think the difficulty is that so much of scripture and so much of our preaching as evangelicals is about grace and it's about the gospel and our unworthiness and we receive our life from Jesus, we receive our calling from Jesus. It's all, you know, in fact, we're, we're saved in spite of our works, not because of yeah. them. Yeah, I've heard James sometimes called like the Proverbs of the New Testament, like the okay. guidance of, of wisdom for living in as God's people and living the the Christian life. And yeah. It's not meant to be... Um, it's meant to be the outflow of the gospel, not here's how you get saved. Like right. if you, once you are saved, then this is how you should be living as a Christian. And it gives us very practical wisdom and, and advice and guidance for how to live out the Christian faith, the life that's transformed by the gospel in the world. Right. Um, and when you say that, suddenly it all makes sense. You know, for example, in verse 2, he says, my brothers, and then you get that phrase again, brothers, just toward the end of the passage. He's talking to Christians. Yeah. Do not be deceived in verse 16, my brothers. So it's uh, it, this is the context of, of people who already have a faith. So we have called this series, James, a working faith, to, to try and give the nod to this uh, tension that there is between faith and works. And, try, and trying to say... Once you have a faith, let's see it working. Yeah. 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 That's our attempt. So here we are. Chapter one sets up some themes of the book. And uh, actually, there's quite a lot here. I mean, we could probably do a sermon series on just those 18 verses. I was going to say, that's a, that was a long 18 verses, and there's a lot packed in there. I, I feel like James doesn't really follow a, a progression of thought. as he no. kind of just Like, there's themes that keep coming back, like testing suffering, wisdom, and faith, and, uh, you know, but uh, he kind of bounces around a little bit, and there's almost too much to to dive into in a, what will surely be under 18-minute podcast. Right. In every way, it's like a vestry meeting. Yes. It's all over the place, and it goes on too long. There we go. Fantastic. So it's godly. Our meetings are godly. Yes. That's the encouragement of the day. So, uh, okay, let's talk about the testing of the faith. Um, intriguingly, I want to talk about this because it comes up twice, right? So we have verse 2. Um, Count it all as joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then um, picking up on it later on, right, in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, mm -hmm. for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. I'm sure that if anyone's listening to this it, within the next year, to end of 2020 and most of 2021, when we start talking about tests, trials, suffering, things that stretch our patience and struggling, we're going to have to be talking about 
uh, a certain virus. And all the rest of it, yeah. Right. Uh, and all the rest of it. So yeah, there's just been a lot, and it's it's pretty clear that James could be very easily be talking to us, you know, when he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Mm. Um, many of us who've lived fairly easy uh, testing, we've all yeah. experienced a lot of it, yeah. more so than usual probably yeah. in the last year. And then various kinds. Yep. You know, because actually there's the, all the normal suffering that we normally suffer is still happening. It's yeah. just been drowned out. Yeah. Um, uh, by both a crisis... Uh, in terms of a health crisis, but but then also a, a kind of political and social crisis in at least the United States yeah. right now. And on top of that, our beloved brothers and sisters in Christ have suffered sickness and bereavement. Um, you know, we've buried, I think, five members of our church in the last five weeks. <laughs> it's, you know, this is, this is a time of real um, suffering. But what does James say? Count it joy. Yeah, count I mean, that, it all you, joy. I, that seems striking. It seems a challenge. I think you could abuse do. this verse, right? Yeah. Like if someone's fallen off their bicycle yeah. and you go, well, "Count it as joy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he he does spell out why. Okay. Like he's not saying this is supposed to be fun, mm -hmm. but the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and yeah. that steadfastness will bring to maturity that we're perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. Like there's there's yeah. a purpose to what God is doing in us through this testing. That he is trying to mature us. Right. Strengthen us. Build steadfastness and And this maturity. is like the here and now, right? Yeah. yeah. When he returns to the theme in verse 12, suddenly he's talking about something even, even further on. The crown of life. Um, mm. I think he's talking about this eternal. Yes. Presence of God. Uh, being crowned. Being enthroned this kind of ruling reign that we have in everlasting life that doesn't mm -hmm. perish. Yeah. And um, I, I think that James is, is therefore saying there's this suffering thing has this immediate effect on your faith, but, uh, but a faith has an, has, has an, an ultimate effect yeah. on your, on your everlasting life. Yeah. And I, I like that. I find it striking that he says for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life in verse 12. Mm. Uh, that makes it seems like the whole of life is a test. Right. And that's kind of the norm that we should be expecting to be under trials and and suffering and, and testing. All of it for the purpose of helping us grow in Christ so mm. that at the end we might receive the crown of life. Yeah, that's God's desire for us mm. then. Yes. And so to work it back again then, as eternal people crowned and, and that's coming... What does our life look like now in light of our eternity uh, is a concern of James. How are you going to live? And what we're seeing in our church right now, I think, at least among a good portion of our membership, is this thriving, growing, deepening um, faith mm. because of the challenge. And, and we might say, well, there's, there's a bunch of other things going on as well. Um, I mean, change disturbs people and yeah. whatnot. But so many, so many of our members have, have said to me in the last two or three months, well, I pushed in. I've, I've been doing more Bible reading. I've been listening to more podcasts. I've been listening to more Christian worship with my church wrecked. 
I, I've just dug in and, and done as much as I can. Maybe our family has started doing things and it's starting to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Which is, would not be a surprise to James. No, no, it would not. Nor Jesus, I expect. I don't know if anything really... Oh, no, he did get surprised once, didn't he? By someone's faith? Yeah, yeah, he did. So I've got to be careful I'm not a heretic here. He's rarely surprised. Yes, he's rarely surprised, we'll say. Uh, I don't think he's going to be surprised by my faith. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? As we mature in faith, we become more aware of the shortcomings of our faith. Yeah. And, And Kat will always say... That she says the Holy Spirit gets more picky with her the more mature she becomes. Oh, that's a good word. Yeah, I like that. I I definitely experienced that, and I think that's true based on other people I've talked to and heard from. That as you mature, you understand more of your own weakness. Mm. Not and maturity kind of tamps down pride and mm. the tendency to look at myself and see how holy I am or yeah. look how much I've grown and. I'm really good now. Well, and... I hate that about Christian leadership is, that, you know, that we have this privilege of standing up. James even talks about it soon. Um, but the chapter three, you, you know, you get this pulpit and people start to assume things about you. Now, there should be something holy about us if we're going to lead people towards holiness. But the more we try and lead people towards holiness, the more aware we become of our unholiness. <laughs> yes. And, and, and lack thereof. I just, you know, I hate this idea that people are going to look at me and go, well, wow, it's all right for this guy. You know, he's perfect. I, I mean, no one who lives with me will be saying this, but I hate the idea that that uh, people would think too much of me. Yeah. Yeah, it's an easy trap to fall into, though. There's another trap here. Um, and, and this, so between, if this is an Oreo, um, the, the kind of white cream stuff is is in verses five to nine. You know, you've got this uh, the trial and the trial being the the uh, the brown cookie. Mm. Um, we have a biscuit called a, a a bourbon in England, by the way. For those bourbon. watching in the UK, it's a sort of it's like a dark custard. It's like a combination between a custard cream and a and a, and a bourbon. Um, for those of you back home, if you can imagine peeling both apart and then smearing the innards of a custard cream into a, a bourbon, then then you would have an Oreo. Uh, this is now transatlantic podcast. There we go. For Americans, okay. it's just an Oreo because you know what I'm talking about. And uh, here we are in the middle. There's these other characters, right? This is starting to look like a chiasm. And maybe you can agree with yeah. me or not whether yeah. that's, that's true. Um, there's these middle characters who are not making the most out of their um, their suffering. Yeah. Right. And so, in fact, what's happening is that they're, they're doing some doubts, right? And, mm. and they're, they're driven and tossed by the wind, like a wave of the sea. They're not anchored to anything. Yeah. It's like a temporary, sort of ephemeral thing, isn't it? A wave. Yeah. It's they're not really there. Yeah. It's there one second and it's gone. Uh, and it's, there's no stability. There's no rootedness. Uh, there's no lastingness to it. The wave isn't the sea. Mm-hmm. It's the effect of the wind on the sea. And it's just a... Yeah, you're right. It's not rooted to anything. It's it's just floating around and it's temporary. Yeah. And, and during the pandemic, there are those who have not pushed into their faith, not tried to 
to kind of grow and deepen. They've not read more. They've not listened to more music. They've not listened to more podcasts. They've not tried to call brothers and sisters in Christ and study in whatever way they can. And and, and they've they've just been blown around by CNN. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's it's contrasting what James is saying we should be aiming for with that steadfastness that our testing produces. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Like our testing produces steadfastness. You can think about that as anchoredness or mm. stability or consistency. And and then this uh, doubting is is showing the opposite and it's bearing the opposite fruit. Um, mm. Yeah. And I, I, let's be clear about what doubting is maybe okay. thank just you. like I, it, I think you can be easy to hear this and think I should. I'm never allowed to doubt. I'm never allowed to question. Right. I don't think that's what James is saying here at all. No, I don't. I, I think that because he he talks about being double-minded and yeah. unstable in all his ways. Yeah. I think that doubting is referring here mostly to what is your life oriented towards. Yes. Is it oriented towards Jesus or? Is all your faith in the world, or in yeah. yourself, or right. in your future, four hundred one k, whatever? Like, what's your faith oriented toward? What's your life oriented toward? Mm. If it's trying to be in two camps at once, then you're like the billows of the sea and unstable and unrooted. Yeah. Um, but you know, if my life is oriented towards Jesus, but every once in a while I have a thought of like, you know. Is this is this really real? Is this oh, yeah. worth my I have, while? I have those. I yeah. have those all the what time. What am I doing? Like, and... Yeah. And what's all this for? Is this really bearing fruit? You know, that doesn't change the orientation of my life. Right. To ask those questions. Um, and I think God welcomes those questions and he's big enough for those questions. Yeah. And if you lack wisdom, ask. It says yeah. in verse five. So doubts are really great. Mm -hmm. Doubts are awesome because you can find answers yes. and the answers grow your faith and we actually had a whole series on this just before you started here um, really? about doubt and it, it was really encouraging for people i think just to admit oh yeah i have doubts because yeah. hopefully unless our church is just in a complete fog of stupidity um there will be doubts yeah because those are indicators of people wrestling yes. with the truth yes that's a good thing um so you know how uh, this this sort of first idea of uh, the, the trial here and now, then the sort of um, reward here and now, mm -hmm. and then there's this the reward in eternity. In the same way, the kind of trouble that we have here and now is mirrored with this trouble in eternity. So we get into this in, in kind of verse 10, alluding, I believe, to the psalm that we're reading this weekend, uh, the flower of the grass will pass mm, away. The sun yeah. rises in its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. This, the reason why we should not trust this world is because this world is a wave. Yes. This world is temporary. It's not really real. Mm -hmm. And um, just as a flower fades in the fall, um, or your brand new Rheingolds that you've planted beautifully... Uh, get mildew, for example. Um, you you find that these patterns of nature often mirror something in the spiritual realm, yeah. and our lives perish; they fade. And the pursuits of the rich, specifically, mm. fade away. 
yeah. and, and wither. So, well, and also <laughs> the person. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Mm. Like there's a fruitlessness and a futility to the pursuits of the rich, mm. which yeah. is a challenging word, uh, maybe for us in Fox Chapel. Um, yeah, yeah, and you could extend that. You could say to us in the twenty first century, yeah, or I, us in yeah. the West. I mean, if we have, if you have a hot shower every day, if you have three meals a right. day, you are the top zero point one percent of all human humanity. Like right. we're in the top one percent of every human that's ever existed. If you have those basic luxuries that we take for granted, like we're all rich and yeah. and, and exceedingly wealthy, um, if you live in Fox Chapel or not. But then, I mean, as a pastor, which is supposed to be kind of a humble job, I do really well when you compare yeah. me to, you yeah. know, uh, someone in 700 in Northumbria <laughs> getting invaded every single spring and having your barns torched and your hoard taken off and just all of these things. We, we live with such enormous stability and we, we're painfully aware of the instability in our land yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the arguments in Pennsylvania, uh, for example, a sort of a swing state in our election, is nothing compared to Pol Pot's killing fields or Stalin's gulags yeah. or, or, you know, Hitler's death camps. Yeah. Or basically normal life for almost the whole of human history. Yep. So we have this great luxury at the same time as I don't want to deny our suffering. Yeah, but we have this great luxury at the same time, and often I think, as you're getting to, the problem with the luxuries is they become our gods. Yeah, we pursue them too much. They're addictive. They're so lovely. Um, got a new watch for my anniversary. It's my anniversary today. Mm. Got a new watch. Happy anniversary! And I've wanted this watch since 1993. Wow! When uh, I first saw it advertised at the Belgian Grand Prix which those listening will recall was won by Damon Hill in the uh, Williams Renault. But um, without digressing too much, I love it. I love this watch. I've wanted it all my life. I love it. Um, it's a really cool present and I'm really celebrating it. But at the same time, I'm wearing this thing thinking like, oh, you know, that's quite a fancy watch. <laughs> and how do, how do Christians, how should Christians behave? in their relationship with nice things. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you advise? I think James is going to get into that later uh, in this, in his book. But mm. yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, even in this passage, talking about temptation later, which is a clear contrast from God's testing. Temptation is different than testing. Okay. Testing comes from God. Temptation comes from our own desire and from the devil, uh, which doesn't say explicitly here, but I think it infers elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his yeah. own desire. Then desire gives birth to sin and sin bring, brings about death. And mm, I think when we trust, yeah, exactly. The opposite of the crown of life. I think when we're trusting in our own desires and enticed by the luxuries of this world and trusting in those things more than we trust in God. That's what's giving birth to sin in us and that sin leads to death. 
So I think that I, I don't think luxury things are bad in and of themselves, but it's our trust in them mm -hmm. and our, our willingness to let ourselves be enticed and right. lured by them into thinking this is what life's about. Well, I'm glad it's not a Rolex because their symbol is a crown. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is right. We are going to have relationship with nice things and to enjoy a nice thing is great to worship a nice thing is trouble to lust after it be lured by it into uh, this slippery slope is a risk and a danger um, finally we end with god who is um, unchangeable mm -hmm. there's no variation or shadow due to change and there's a hymn isn't there Probably. there is no changing with thee uh, yeah, great is thy faithfulness. Yes. Yeah. There is no shadow changing, changing with, with the. Here we, go. Yeah. we sung it for you, church. Um, <laughs> there's, so God is unchangeable, and and this world fades away, but He does not. Yes. So trusting in Him leads to everlasting life. And every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, coming from Him, the Father of Lights. Uh, Did God give his watch? Not, James, I don't think James is talking about your watch. Okay. I think he's talking about your wife who gave you that watch. Yes! Isn't that great? Oh. I think he's talking about the gift of salvation. And okay. I think he's talking about the joy that is produced out of our sufferings. And the gifts that God gives are for our ultimate good. Whereas sometimes we're too satisfied by the things that bring some immediate good. Thank you. Well, with the Wolpian crescendo ended with a piece of self-serving asegesis that leaves me feeling very happy with my new watch and not at all guilty any longer. Um, it's a great pastoral work, Ben. I'm Thank not, you. I'm not sure. I'm here all day. Yeah, well, most grateful. So this has been a... We're back. Um, we're just as bad as we used to be. We've been interrupted by Canon Millard. It's appalling. Uh, but God does not change. And neither, for that matter, do the plaintive tones of our favourite Hispanic band, The Los Yetis. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week. This has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. Cheerio. Cheerio.